Hey guys, it's Brianna. I'm here, hopefully starting my podcast. I've been wanting to do this for so long, and I always put it off because I'm just like, nobody's going to listen, which I don't really care if anyone does or not, but I just am scared to kind of commit to it, like for a fear of failure, which I don't know how I would fail at doing this, but I really want to get started with it and stick with it because it is something I'm passionate about. I feel like I have a lot to talk about. I feel like I have a lot to say that other people could maybe relate to, or maybe it's a way for me to find other people that can relate to me. So this is my podcast, Chatting with Brie, the first episode. Um, In this episode, I just kind of want to talk about me, um, my life, where I'm at right now, so you get kind of an idea of what I'm all about. And then from here on out, each episode will kind of have like a main topic of what I want to talk about. Or just what my week, you know, whatever it's going to be, will be. But um, just to start off a little about me. So I'm 24, um, born and raised in Iowa. I'm from a really small town. Like everyone else from Iowa says, it's a town you've probably never heard of. Um, but I'm from Garner, Iowa. It's about 10 miles west of Clear Lake, which is a more known town. Um, super proud to be from there. I still go back there. As often as I can, my mom, my whole family's there. So it means a lot to me um, that I was raised there. Super proud. I live in Joaquin now, which is just a suburb of Des Moines. It's basically West Des Moines, whatever you want to call it. I live here with my boyfriend, Cole. We've been dating for a little over two years now, and we have a son who is a little over one, and his name is Carson. So, yeah, things in our relationship have moved pretty fast. If you did the math, we had, we're pregnant within about four months of dating each other. So if anything, um, I don't know if there's anything that can really prepare you for that, but we'll get more into that. So I live with them. And then I have my dog Shiloh. Um, for my immediate family, I have an older sister, Sam, her husband's name is Nash. And then I have a little brother, Nicholas. My sister is six years older than me, and my brother is six years younger. So when you want to talk about middle child, I am the definition of middle child. (laughs) And I guess I have some middle child tendencies probably. I don't know. Talk about that too. Um, My mom, Conray, she's a saint. And then my dad passed away um, a few months ago, which I kind of talked about in like my opening episode. But his name was Jim. Great guy. Look, I can't even talk about him without like getting choked up, but... Hopefully someday I'll be able to um, come on here and talk about loss and things like that. Right now at this time in my life, I'm not like in the good head place to do it, but it's a big part of my life. Um, it's something that I'm navigating and trying to figure out, and that's what I'm needing other people for. I need other people, or I want other people that are kind of navigating through it too, or I want to help other people who are in the same boat that are like, I don't know how to shake this. <laughs> I can't help you right now because I don't know how to shake it either. But, um, so that's kind of my family. I spend literally as much time with them as I can. It's hard because we're two hours away. Um, I work a full-time job, so I try to get up there at least one weekend a month. And then sometimes my mom will come here. Sometimes if there's things going on, we'll be in Garner more often, but try to get up there at least once a month. Um, like I said, I work full time. I'm an esthetician at a dermatology clinic. So I do a lot of different things. I wear a few different hats there. Um, 
Some days I work the front desk. Um, I do lasering appointments, so like IPL appointments, microneedling, chemical peels, microdermabrasion. I'll do skincare consultations. And then I will also assist um, our nurse practitioner and in these surgeries, I guess not surgeries, but like uh, cyst removals, like pomas, things like that. So I get to do a lot of different things, um, which I really enjoy. It keeps my day different, my weeks different. It doesn't kind of feel like I'm doing the same old, same old every day. So I really, really enjoy my job. Um, it's taken me a long time to find a job that I actually really like. And I think there's one thing that should be normalized. It's like people call it job hopping and I, it looks bad on resumes to employers, but like, why would you stay at a job that's not fulfilling you, satisfying you, giving you what you need? Um, like financially, mentally, emotionally, like if you're at a job and you don't like it, like give it a little time, but I don't know. I don't think there's anything wrong with like trying to find that place where you're like, this is where I'm meant to be. I think that should be more normalized. And even when I interviewed at my current job, they asked me that, like, you know, why have you switched jobs so much? Well, not so much, but I have, I've switched jobs like probably every like eight months. This is like the longest job I've had in a long time. And next month will be a year. But they asked me and I was pretty like point blank and honest, like, this is why this job didn't work out. This is why this job didn't work out. This is what I'm looking for in a job. And just being like blatantly honest about it because it's the truth and they can tell when you're being truthful and then you're not just like, oh, you know, making up lies about why, like, you're quitting your jobs. Anyway, just went off on a little tangent like that. That will probably happen a lot. So, backtracking. We've lived in Waukee for almost a year now. We were in Ankeny before. Um, Cole and I met in May of, oh my God, was it 2018? I don't even know. Two years ago in May at a bar downtown Des Moines. And I would have never guessed that this is where we would be. Anyone that knows me that's going to listen to this podcast would probably agree. Or they might think, no, you could really tell something was going to happen out of that night. It's just kind of funny. So we met at a bar. Um, how it started, I can't verify Cole will tell you that I pointed at him and told him to, like, come towards me. I don't believe that. I feel like I'm not usually that, like, forward, but it's a little gray for me. I'm not going to lie. And we were stuck like glue the rest of the night. And before I was, I was going to leave the bar, and he asked me, can I get a picture with you? And I'm like, who is this guy wanting a photo with me? But I did it anyway. And we still have the picture. It's just kind of funny to look at, like, we were slightly intoxicated, like, who would have thought? And then um, he messaged me the next day. We went on a date a week later. And then a week from the date, we started dating. So within, like, two weeks of knowing each other, we were, like, boyfriend and girlfriend. So nothing about this relationship has been slow, as you can see. So we dated through the summer. Um, September came. found out I was pregnant. And... I texted my friends, two of them were nurses in the group chat, and I said, is there any chance of a false positive? And they were trying to really be helpful and be like, well, maybe, like, they knew there wasn't. They're like, no, Brie, you're pregnant, but they were trying to, like, beat around the bush about it and, like, 
be nice about it, but they're like, just take another test, like wait till tomorrow. And I'm like, I cannot wait till tomorrow. So I took multiple tests, pregnant, pregnant, pregnant. So my friends, Anna, Autumn and Danielle were the first people I told. I will talk about them all the time. They are my rocks, like other than my family, they are who I lean on, who I rely on. If I need something, it's them. I've been friends with them for literally so long. And I will talk more about my relationship with them after I talk about my relationship with Cole. So anyway, I texted them that I was pregnant um, and they were really supportive and everything. And um, I texted Cole and I was like, I need to come to your house. Like, I need to pick something up. He's like, well, I'm busy tonight. Can you wait till tomorrow? And I'm like, oh my God, if only he knew what I have to tell him. But I'm like, whatever, we'll wait till tomorrow. I think I was shaking the whole drive to his house, like white knuckles on the steering wheel. Like it was so scary to tell someone that you've been dating for four months that you're pregnant. Like I knew him obviously, but I didn't, you know, it was a very like nerve wracking position to be in. So I walk in his house. I couldn't even face him. I was sitting on the couch and he was like sitting kind of behind me. And I said, I think I need to make a doctor's appointment. And he goes, why? And I started like choking up and I said, I think I'm pregnant. And I started crying. He stands up, comes around in front of me, grabs my hands, pulls me to stand up, gives me a hug and says in my ear, Brianna, I'll be by your side through this no matter what. And I couldn't, I couldn't even picture a better response in my head. That is exactly what I was looking for. And suddenly all those nerves I had washed away for that moment. They did come back, but it just felt good to know like he was on board. And even though I was scared and he probably was too, he was remaining cool, calm and collected while I was like freaking out. So we hug it out and everything I had to get to work so kissed goodbye whatever we're texting about it and I just like kind of asked him like is this something you really want to move forward with is this something you want to do um and he texted back and he said Brianna I would love to do this with you and since that day we've been doing it so um I told my parents probably a week later I called my mom and I was really nervous to tell my parents I'm super close with them. I always have been. They're like my best friends. I lived at home for a little bit, like when I was 22. And I would probably say that I hung out with my parents more than I hung out with like my friends. I always was asking my parents, what are you guys doing? What should we do tonight? You know, they were everything. They are everything to me. So I knew I wasn't going to disappoint them, but it's that fear that you have in your head. Like, oh my God, I have to call my parents and tell them I'm pregnant. Obviously it would have been better to tell them in person, but I just couldn't wait any longer. And I don't know if I was ready to see the look on their faces. I think telling them in person would have been easier had it been something that like, if I was in a different position, but in the position I was in the situation, I just, I didn't want to see their reactions. And hopefully I, well, I know for sure with my next pregnancy, things will be so different. But anyway, I called my mom and I could tell I was on speakerphone. She's like, hey, and I said, hey, can you take me off speakerphone? Because I knew my dad was probably right there listening, and he was. And my mom said that he just gave her a look like, what the heck? What doesn't Bree want me to hear? 
So my mom takes me off speakerphone and she goes, what's going on? And I said, I think I'm pregnant. And she goes, what do you mean you think? And I said, well, I don't know for sure. Like these tests are saying yes, but I was like, I, until you go to the doctors, you don't know because I know how um, common it is to miscarry before that eight week mark. So I'm sorry to anyone that's experienced that. And that's what, that's what my fear was. I just didn't want to say I'm pregnant without really knowing, I think maybe, I don't, I don't know, but she's like, well, either you are or you aren't. And I said, well, then I guess I am. And I don't even remember the rest of the conversation. I just know I was crying and she was like being very supportive. And she got off the phone with me and texted me like, we're so happy. We're here for you no matter what. And obviously that made me feel good. And I knew they would be, but it's just that like internal fear. And my mom said that my dad knew while she was talking to me on the phone because of the questions she was asking me. And she said he was just smiling ear to ear. And that means a lot because probably a week later um, was when he was diagnosed with ALS. So everything kind of happened like at the same time. So we had the excitement of a new baby coming into the family, but also the dread of what was coming for my dad. But it's like, God knew that it, to give give me a baby. I guess I don't know how I want to say it, but it's like he knew that I needed the love of a child because I would potentially be losing my dad. And Carson really is the biggest blessing that could have happened um, in this time period. Like, I don't know how I would have gotten through this without the excitement of being pregnant and then having him and then having him here for the aftermath. I'm so sorry, all the tears. <laughs> um, so anyway, back to my pregnancy. Being pregnant was horrible for me. <laughs> like, I was so, so sick, so dehydrated. No matter how hard I tried to, like, drink as much water, drink the electrolytes. I just couldn't do it. It didn't feel good. I couldn't keep it down. I had multiple hospital visits. Most of them were like, you just really need like an IV and some saline and you'll be good to go. But um, puking nonstop, feeling like I'm going to pass out, lightheaded, low blood sugars, all that. Like really up until the third trimester and basically my third trimester, um, I was home because I was laid off due to COVID. And I think that made a huge difference too. I wasn't up on my feet working, but anyway, it was, it was a rough pregnancy. Okay. I'm taking a drink of coffee right now. I had one like major ER visit and, um, the doctor put his hands on my stomach and basically said like, after he had put the Doppler over, and then put his hands on my stomach and grabbed my other hand and said, um, it's possible you've lost the baby. So this is, um, I probably should have put a trigger warning. And I looked at Cole and I thought for sure, like, why would the doctor say this if we didn't lose the baby? Obviously we didn't, but it was a terrifying moment. Very surreal moment. I was about 19 weeks pregnant 
we were like two weeks away from finding out the gender, you know, when things are really starting to kind of set in and feel real. Um, my heart goes out to anyone that has been through that. I cannot imagine because my little scare was one of the worst feelings of my life. Um, but everything turned out okay. The rest of my pregnancy, I got through it. Um, Carson did come late, so he was due May 31st of 2020. The day came and went, you guys, and I couldn't tell you how ready I was to be done. I was fed up, and I felt like I was doing all the things. Like, if you've ever been pregnant, you know, you've kind of looked up, you've kind of played with, like, things to, like, naturally induce labor. I was walking my butt off. I think I was taking my dog on, like, three to four walks a day. I was eating pineapple. I was drinking, oh, what juice was it? I don't even remember. But I was drinking some juice that's supposed to kind of help ease things out. I mean, I was I was bouncing on a stability ball nonstop, bounce, bounce, bounce. Like, I was trying to get this, get him just going, you know? So my due date came and gone. I was very fed up. June 1st, nope. And then June 2nd, I had taken my dog on a walk. And it felt very, I felt very not right. I came home and I did have like, um, whatever it's called. Like you put it on your arm and it gets tight. Um, and uh, my heart rate was low or something was low. I don't remember. I called my doctor. They're like, okay, yeah, how about you come in and be seen? So I went in. It was a Tuesday. I want to say it was June 2nd. So, yes. So I went in. They're like, yeah, um, your blood sugars are kind of low. You know, you're kind of having this and that. Um, How about we induce you tonight at 8 o'clock? We can induce you tonight. And this was at like 3 p.m. in the afternoon. So I was thinking, oh, my God, in five hours. I call Cole, and I'm like, we're getting induced tonight. I call my family. I'm like, we're doing this tonight. Cole... I could hear his excitement on the phone. He was, because he was so excited. And I think he was really ready for Carson to just be here. So I drive home from the appointment. I'm nervous. I am like thinking, okay, we need to pack. I need to get things situated for the dog. Like, because this was not how I had planned things on going. But then again, I can't imagine how I would have gotten things set up if I went naturally either. Because I had things packed, but like, you know, you got to do those last minute things and like, the dog, how do you ever really prepare for someone to take care of the dog? So um, we ate dinner. They told me, you know, try to fill up because you're not going to eat, you know, once we get things going. But I couldn't really eat because I was so nervous. You know, your stomach's kind of in knots. And just the thought of what's coming is scary. I'm a huge baby with pain, too. Let me just preface that. I get like a flu shot and I almost pass out. I get my blood drawn. I puke. So that gives you an idea of the nerves um, and anxiety I was having in general about what my body was about to do. So we drive downtown to the hospital, check in. It's about eight o'clock. They get my IV going and they start the, um, they did start the Pitocin. A lot of times when you're induced, they will, or not a lot of times, but it's common that they will have to manually break um, your water. 
my water broke on its own at like 4 a.m. And I woke up cold. I'm like, my water broke. And he goes, no, it probably didn't. How do you know? You're probably just petering. So I'm like, no, I'm like really wet. And I pressed my button to call the nurse. And she kind of said the same thing. Like, oh, a lot of people think their water broke, but it, you probably didn't. And I'm like, no. And then she checked. She's like, oh, my God, it did. And I was under the impression this was a really good thing. Like, my water broke on its own. Things are progressing. Like, I'm doing good. <laughs> and little did I know what was really coming. So I think I got an epidural maybe around, like, 7 a.m. I'm feeling good. I'm pretty sure they pumped up the the Pitocin. Um, for any woman that's wondering, can you still feel it with epidural? No. You cannot feel a thing. They were telling me, like, oh, that was a pretty strong contraction. Did you feel that? And it's like, no. Like, I'm just straight chilling in the hospital bed, okay? I'm laying there. I'm feeling good. Um, but then around, like, 1 o'clock, you know the epidural starts to wear off. This was a big fear of mine. It was already a lot that I did it and went through with it because I was going to try not to do it, but I was in pain, so I did it. And then it started wearing off. And once I started feeling those contractions, I knew what the nurses were talking about, and I was like, holy cow. And they weren't um, super consistent yet, but they were they were painful. And the nurse really wanted to turn up the Pitocin. And she's like, well, I really think you need to get a second epidural so we can turn up the Pitocin. And at that point, I was kind of hesitant. I was like, well, I already had one epidural and it didn't work. Like, I don't know if I can do a second one. And she's like, well, if you don't turn up the Pitocin, you know, if we don't get things going, things could end up badly. So finally around like, I I waited a while, you guys. I think it wasn't until like 4.30 when I finally was like, okay, fine, I'll do another epidural. And... So they did the second one. They told me that possibly with the first one, they put in the wrong spot, which is kind of nerve-wracking, like, afterthought that maybe I didn't need to know. So they do the second one. Now it's, like, 5 o'clock, and I'm like, okay, feeling good again. I can breathe a little bit. False alarm. Around 8 o'clock, it starts wearing off again, my second epidural. And this time, it's intense. Um, so painful. Couldn't move. Like, I I know I was, like, crying. I don't think I was screaming, but, like, loudly crying. And I was apologizing to the nurses because I knew it wasn't nothing they could do. But I was like, I need something. I need help. Like, just do something. And they're like, we're trying. And I'm like, like, looking back, I know. But... If you've been in that moment, you get it, you know, like nurses in labor and delivery um, deserve like probably the world. I could never repay them even if I wanted to for having to deal with me. So this is bad, you guys. For four hours, I was like this. Till like 1130, a doctor finally came and saw me. So yeah, I went from 8 to 1130, killer contractions, epidural, epidural was wearing off, they kept um, like sticking me with a needle like in my upper thigh region and was like, do you feel that? Do you feel that? And I'm like, I promise you I can feel that. Please stop jabbing me with the needles. Like use ice cubes or something else to like get my senses going, just not a needle. And what's so funny is from like my mid thigh down, my legs were 
could not even lift them. That's how numb they were. But from where the region is, where you feel, where you're not supposed to feel it, I was feeling everything. Um, And I actually could not move my legs for like a day and a half after I had him because two epidurals, it was very strong. Like my legs would not move. Anyway, finally at 1130, doctor comes and sees me. I'm like barely keeping it together at this point. And she goes, yep, your cervix is swollen. I don't think he's going to fit. Which, let me also say, we found out afterwards his head was in the 97th percentile and I had a swollen cervix. So, yeah, there's just no way. Um, And I was at an 8 at this point, dilated, not even a 10. So we did have to end up doing, I wouldn't say like an emergency C-section, but pretty quickly they're like, we need to do a C-section now. Um, So they wheeled me off. I was really scared um mostly because the epidurals failed so I was just really worried that whatever they were going to give me to like um do the surgery I was going to like come down or the drugs weren't going to work and I was going to feel everything they were doing to me luckily that wasn't the case um I think they were sick of me asking so they gave me a little laughing gas which I totally get they're like this girl just needs some rest (laughs) so Got some laughing gas. They didn't put me completely under. If they would have done that, then Cole would not have been able to be in there. So the laughing gas was like a nice substitute. Cole got to be there. Um, he ended up being born um, like 12-15 on June 4th. So like at midnight. So we went in the hospital on June 2nd, had the baby June 4th. I was in labor for like 28 hours um, until my C-section And when I came off the laughing gas, the first thing I said was, is he cute? And they're like, he's got so much hair. And um, I do get a little emotional about how things happened. Because when I was kind of waking up from everything, I don't really remember, like, um, holding him or having that... um, like feeling like I see photos or other moms talk about, oh, when you first hold that your baby, like that feeling, like it, the intensity, the love. I didn't really have that. I think it's because I was so kind of out of it. Um, so that kind of makes me sad. I hope someday my experience can be different because I, I didn't have that like, oh, this is my baby and I love him so much. It was, it was kind of a different feeling. And I think Cole had that because um, he was just in tears and just smiling nonstop. I mean, he was so happy. And I just, like, I think I just had been through so much at that point. I really couldn't connect to the moment, maybe. Um, I'm sure there's other moms out there that kind of have the same feelings. And I hate saying it out loud because it maybe sounds like I didn't love my child right away. I did. It just... It was really hard to connect what had just happened to me to, like, what's going on now. Um, we were wheeled back to our rooms. Let me also, pref- like, say this was during COVID time, so Cole was the only person that could be there with me, which was really hard as well. Like, that 28 hours probably could have gone differently if I had, like, my mom there or just someone else there to, like, give me advice on what I should do. Like, I felt like I was making a lot of decisions on my own and like my mom's a nurse like having her there would have been helpful or just even having my dad there that would have been like his only experience of 
seeing a grandchild be born. So, like, I know everyone knows the pandemic sucks, but it just really hit my family so hard in multiple ways. We'll talk about that another day. But Carson was born. He was 8 pounds, 10 ounces. I don't remember how long he was, but he was long and so bad that I don't know that you guys. I'm telling you I was out of it. But he was a big baby. His head was in the 97th percentile. Uh, but my belly wasn't that big. So I don't think we were expecting him to be like as big as he was. But everyone just kept telling me, oh, that's a big baby. That's a big baby. But he was sweet from the moment I met him until now. Um, the journey we've been on as a little family is a lot. We've been through a lot. Um, since bringing that sweet baby home and I can't wait to get more in depth about it today. I just wanted to talk about who I am, how my family got started to where we're at now. Um, I remember leaving the hospital with Carson after everything, like looking back on it, I'm like, I don't know why people have another baby. I cannot do this again. But now that he's turned one and he's not my baby anymore, I'm like, I have the fever. Thankfully, my sister is pregnant and I will get to love on her baby, hopefully all the time. I cannot even wait. But yeah, I wouldn't say I had like a traumatic birthing experience, but I wouldn't say it was ideal, which probably nobody's is ideal. But after 28 hours, a C-section, the recovery, it was intense. Um, I don't think anyone, people don't really talk about like the recovery time, um, of a C-section and it was rough and I did good. I really, really pushed myself. I was up and walking. I was making myself do things on my home own. It hurt like a mother, but I was doing it. I was taking care of Carson. Like Cole stayed home a week and then he went back to work and I was kind of by myself. I had to figure it out how to navigate having a newborn, having the dog home with me. It was a lot and I can't wait to get more in depth of like how to handle those kind of things and everything. But um, this is kind of where I want to end the episode. So, yeah, a year later, um, we lost my dad. We moved. We have um, our jobs. We're just navigating life now at this point. And things are changing every day. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode um, in my future episodes, like I said, I want to be talking about loss. Um, I'm on a health and fitness journey right now. I want to talk about that, overcoming eating disorders, family things, relationship things, being a mom. There's so many layers to being a mom. Kudos to all you moms out there. We are killing it. We're doing a good job. No matter how you're being a mom, you're being a good mom. Always remind yourself of that. And I can't wait for my next episode. I hope you guys enjoy this. Thank you for listening to Chatting with Bree.